Well, welcome there. This is uh, the Tackling the Premier League podcast with your host, uh, Jack Sosa 17, J Sub the Boob Suber, and BJ the Jerem Jackson. Welcome, guys. What's going on? How y'all doing? Heck yeah. So we're uh, just three American boys. Good about it. We always text about it in a group message, and we really thought, you know, screw this. Let's jump on a phone call, talk about it, record ourselves, throw it out there, and see what people think. For those that listen, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. And uh, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Uh, we'll start in chronological order. Uh, Villa 2, Everton 1. Guys, any thoughts? I mean, I will say Everton looked a lot better whenever they started chasing the game rather than sitting back. I agree with that. I think Everton always looks better when they're behind or like wanting to actually, I feel like, attack when they do instead of sit back. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You have a starting lineup that Everton put out on the field with no striker for the second week in a row. And to our surprise, to no one's surprise, I should say, zero goals from the Everton side. What do we think of Rondon's performance? I think he changed the game. Great. Yeah, absolutely. A target mm-hmm. man bombed the ball up the pitch to him. He, he brought a couple of balls down out of the air. And, Which uh, I think that whole target man uh, kind of setup works really well with the three at the back, like Lampard is trying to play, uh, just to put in crosses le- uh, right and left, just after one after another. And you got the squad at the back now to play three at the back with Cody and Tarkowski. I think they're going to make a good partnership. How yeah. long is Godfrey out for? I'm not sure on that, Jack. Godfrey is uh, he's about a three-month injury. He broke his uh, tibia or his fibula. Uh, one of the two, I can't remember off the top of my head. So he's about three months. I, I imagine that he will be ready to go up and running in January after the World Cup. So to speak on the field by Tom Davis, Tom Davis had to come into the game for an injured Abdullah to Corey. Um, he should not grace the field for Everton, but part of it. Anyways, uh, gives the ball away in midfield, transition out to Ali Watkins. Ali Watkins had acres of space because I think Tarkowski thought he was COVID positive. He decided to stay far away. Um <laughs> Ollie Watkins, ball across the middle. Danny Ings, muffed his first touch, runs across the ball, turns around, gets it back, shoots, scores, 1-0. Not a lot of fireworks, guys. I mean, how hot was it? Uh, it was pretty hot over in England, right, Saturday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, okay. was a, that was a, what, 12.30 kickoff? Or... Yeah, for them, uh, yeah. Uh, kickoff temperatures were 89 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so it was not, it was not, <laughs> it was not the, the cold that the Premier League's used to. And we'll touch more on the uh, the heat later as we get to uh, the madness that ensued at Stanford Bridge. But um, I'm a, you know his first couple of touches gives the ball away, leads to a goal off the ensuing kickoff. Ball finds his feet, he crosses it, own goal, bing. You know, you give up a goal, get a goal. Good debut. What do you think, guys? I mean, he definitely changed the game once he finally settled in. Said that get him giving the ball away and Wendia scoring there. Doesn't help at all, but created a little bit, um, which I think if I were an Everton fan, there's promise. Yeah, absolutely. Can't, can't agree more. Uh, special mention, Ollie Watkins, both assists on both of Villa's goals. You know, he's an yeah. exciting young English player. Yeah, he's man of the match as well. So 58% possession for Villa. That's not surprising considering how much Everton sat back that game. The oh. passing uh, passing accuracy, Everton was seventy nine percent to Villa's eighty four percent. Yeah, a lot of that. Um, Everton passes. plays a bunch of long balls, and then oh, absolutely. Ever, I mean, Everton only completed completed three hundred and twelve compared to Villa's four hundred and fifty nine. So yeah, yeah. And uh, the, Justin, you're one hundred percent right. The entire first eighty minutes of the game, Everton's knocking long balls up the field to. A trio of McNeil, Gordon, and Damari Gray. None. I I don't think either of them reached six feet. I'm I'm not 100 percent certain on that, but I doubt any of them reached six feet. I, it's not the best strategy at the moment. Yeah, no doubt about that. And and hopefully, the next two weeks to come, we'll see a move on that. Gerard needs to get points from Palace, West Ham, and Leicester in their next five, or he's seriously on the hot seat. Absolutely, I think that 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 squad, if you look at it on the paper, is is stacked and it's. It is not uh it is not it is not bottom half of the table kind of kind of squad, but uh Arsenal Leicester, four to two, Arsenal. Uh BJ, I'll get your thoughts on this one since you're an Arsenal fan. You can start off. What what did you what did you see in that match? What were your uh your run through the highlights of the goals and uh what, what were your thoughts? 
I mean, obviously, I mean, star of the game, uh, Gabriel Jesus should have got the hat trick. Was just trying every opportunity he had to get it. Just didn't happen, unfortunately. Sad for him. But absolutely. he looked absolutely brilliant out there on the pitch, in my opinion. Your thoughts on him, y'all? I mean, he looked great. Worth every penny that y'all paid us for him. I mean, two goals, and, two, goals and two assists in his, his home debut. You can't, can't ask for much out of, uh, what is it, 45 million pound striker? Yeah. Yeah. Gabby's first goal, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It was an absolute beauty of a strike. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, I do think there was some luck involved with it, but I'll take it. Yeah, there was definitely a deflection in there. But there's luck involved in a lot of stuff. So. There's definitely a deflection in there, but the end result you cannot uh, disagree with, and that's that's something that we're, that we're – We'll move right along to his second goal, which was in the 35th minute with a brilliant – I think it was planned set piece. It was just it, the defender hit it instead of one of our attackers. So it was a, a cross oh, – corner, I apologize – to the front post, and one of the Leicester defenders had headed it, and he headed it to the back post where Gabriel Jesus was waiting with a wide-open header to head it in. Y'all's thoughts on that goal? Absolutely. I think I, mean, I think Arsenal have done a lot of work I, on the uh, training ground. You saw in the first game they had a corner to the back post where Sinchenko heads it back across the middle for an easy tap-in. What was that, Martinelli on that one? Uh-huh. That is going to be a real, real danger spot for them. It, you know, this this Arsenal versus Leicester game was the, uh, we'll call it the Tielemans Derby, you know. I I really do believe Arsenal were up 3 or 4 nothing in that first half if anyone else but Granite Xhaka's playing the 8 that, that they had him in. And you had Partey holding, had Granite Xhaka going box to box, and you had Odegaard floating in that 10 roll. You know, I, I believe he scored a goal in the game, right place, right time. I think, again, you know, a Tielemans there um, – Another box-to-box midfielder there, and Arsenal are really, really looking very dangerous. What are your thoughts on that, BJ? I mean, I'm kind of indifferent about Jaka right now. I like him, and then I hate him at some point. He can do stupid stuff. I mean, I've really yet to see it too much this season. It's only been two games, but too much this season on the stupid stuff. But I feel like once that hits, it's just I'm just not going to like it. So I, I would like a different person there, but we would have to sell him in order to get a different uh, person is what I've been reading. I don't, I don't see that in Arsenal's near future, but you know, maybe in January. Me either. Maybe in January, you never know, right? So we'll we'll move on to the cool. third goal in the game, which was a very, very unfortunate play by uh, William Sal- Saliba. He headed the ball. It was just complete miscommunication between the goalie and the um, young center back, which he's only been back at Arsenal for a couple months now. It's only second game starting in the Premier League ever. It's just miscommunication. Headed the ball back and thought Ramsdale was back in goal when he was coming to get the ball, and it was an own goal, unfortunately. I think what you said it brilliantly this summer, um, you know, Saliba, 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 he honestly looks what? like a, a $40, $50 million signing that Arsenal got, and they absolutely paid nothing for him. I mean, they sent him out on loan for two years, and he comes back ready to, with something to prove, and he, and he looks – he looks like a, a true a true asset to Arsenal, and, and they had to pay nothing to get him back. So brilliant business there from uh, Arsenal, and and uh, unfortunate on goal, but you know mistakes happen with young lads, and I think he I think he's got a bright future. There's no doubt about that. Anybody want to speak on the Madison goal? Ramsdale should have stopped it, in my opinion. I, I agree. I agree with Justin. He should have. But I mean, it, it, a blunder's <laughs> a blunder. I mean, I'm not gonna argue against it. It happens. We'll Let's call, move forward. We'll call, it, we'll call it not the worst blunder uh, by a goalkeeper this weekend. How about that? <laughs> yeah, we'll get on more to that later. Absolutely. And one more thing just to, just to say. Um, you know, all of last season, Arsenal, Arsenal seemed to be the team that would get up a goal and then, and then kind of sit back comfortably and say, all right, your turn to try to score a goal against us. This game – completely different turnout even in the crystal palace game though and, and allow crystal palace to attack obviously they got their second goal to put the game to bed uh class on that part but it, in this game there was absolutely zero evidence of that arsenal from the m- moment the whistle blew uh, the, the the moment the game ended looked on top of it and and the aggressors and obviously lesser had their chances it's 90 degrees in london you can't you can't blame the, the guys for that i think arsenal played a great game and i think Arsenal is is no longer a dark horse for top four. I think they're a lock for top four and a dark horse for the for the uh, title. I would agree with you there. I mean, if they don't get top four this year, it's a complete and utter uh, disappointment. 
Oh, I, 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 I agree with y'all. So, Jack, you're uttering what uh, Patrick Vieira said after uh, the draw against Liverpool. Really? Post-game uh, conference, press conference, he's stated that we've played two teams that are battling for the Premier League as the first two games. So, he even thinks Arsenal is a team that's battling for the Premier League. Yeah, hopefully that's not just bias from him. Uh, I think Leicester needs to get Madison involved a lot earlier. Um, he didn't come alive till the second half, which as high as it was, you'd think he'd be ready to go from the start. Um, he looked good the second half, but if Lester wants to get to where they want to be, he needs to be involved early and often. Yeah, I, I, completely, I completely agree with that. You need to play 80 minutes, not the last 20 or something like that that you play, you know? Mm-hmm. Did Lester lose anybody in the transfer market this year? Schmeichel. Yeah, um, their goal which- yeah, that talking about Jacques's goal, it was a gift to him. Just uh, Danny Ward just made a blunder, didn't come out and catch the ball. Uh, I don't know whether that was a miscommunication. So the back, or, I, I, I yeah, they that, let him go for one million, and, and that's I mean, Casper Schmeichel's been one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League the past two or three years, and, and yeah. And, that is a really. I, I wonder if there's something more going on there. If Michael said, "I'm done with this. I would like to go retire in an easier league." Or, or if, if pretty sure Lester's in uh, some financial trouble right now. I mean, because they haven't brought anybody yeah, in, but still, only let him go for one million. Yeah, that's that's nuts to me. That was you know, you know, that that right there is is. Uh... Interesting bit of business, but we'll move on. We can't we can't spend all our time on the Arsenal game. That's not the uh, the fireworks of this weekend, to say the least. We'll, we'll jump to City Bournemouth. I, I think the beginning of the game, it looked like Bernardo Silva had the perfect opportunity to slot Erling Holland in for a tap in in what the first or second minute and, and shot it himself for a it, corner. Yeah, yeah, that was actually Phil Foden. Okay, um, if he would have just. It over to Holland, we would have been up one nothing early. Absolutely. Now you can't, you know, you can't nitpick every every attack from City because there's just so much attacking. A, a, a good game at that, you know. I think I read a stat somewhere. Holland completed two passes, and one of them was an assist. Is that correct? Yeah, eight total touches. Um, one of them was an assist, <laughs> but just straight up target man, which is what we got him for. He looked good getting forward and around the box, but. You know how City likes to play with a bunch of link-up play, which, I mean, we were talking in preseason about how he could be so much better from that. I honestly thought that uh, Man City would come out of the gate struggling a little bit with the new system of not playing a false nine and switching to a target man. So, I mean, but they do have great players and a great coach, so it doesn't really surprise me. Uh, not at all, actually. But in the 19th minute, City broke through uh, an Ilke Gundogan goal from an Erling Holland assist. Justin, you got comments on that? Not really on that one. Just good team play for that. Um, but the next goal. Let's say uh, I got a com- I got a comment. Let's skip to the next goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the next goal was the highlight of the game. You know? I'll, I'll start. I'll start with you, BJ. What do you What do you have on the next? No, 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 I'll start with Justin. He's the Man City fan. Go ahead. I mean, it was just a lovely piece of skill from KDB with the outside of the foot shot. I mean, not there might be one or two keepers in the league that'll stop that goal from going Before in. Before the shot, though, he had that defender on freaking skates. The defender was going the other way. Yeah, he didn't absolutely. know where he was. I mean, yeah, that's why. And he had that outside of the foot shot timed perfectly because that defender from his left well, had to suck his leg out and about got there. He had to squeeze it in between two defenders. It was an amazing shot. If y'all haven't seen it, y'all really need to go check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an early candidate for goal of the season. Obviously, hopefully it'll be, uh, it'll be removed from the podium. But, uh, again, I mean, it speaks to the, to the player that Kevin De Bruyne is. He has an exquisite finishing ability and, and is truly one of the greatest players of, of this Premier League generation. Um, and, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah, and right now he really might be uh, top five in the world with, out of every position. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Moving on, uh, a Phil Foden strike in the 37th minute. Puts City up 3-0 just before half. Mm-hmm. Any other goalkeeper in goal that's, that's being stopped? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's snuck it in near post. And, I mean, with the pace that was on it, it 
you would have to have quick reaction save to get there, but could have been saved. Yeah, you're right. We'll, we'll continue forward. Uh, Leeds United States. This game, I thought, was uh, was one of the more interesting ones. Because on paper, you look at this game, especially with the performances in the first week, Leeds should be winning this game. What went wrong with Leeds here? I mean, they fell apart defensively. They they get called out uh, with their pressing. They're not really organized a whole lot. Um, and then with the second goal, it was a nice pass and good finish by uh, Walker Peters. Um, I think it was Rodrigo that got called out on that. But that one was just really good team play by Southampton. Um, but, you know, Leeds, they're leaky at the back. And that's really what it amounts to this game. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think um, uh, Jesse March came out came out there and gave them a great uh, halftime talk. And they they listened to him, played a great first, what, 20 minutes. And we're up two or 15 minutes, we're up 2-0. Boom. And then they just got too lazy with the lead and just Southampton came right back into it. <laughs> what you can't do in the Premier League is just fall asleep with a 2-0 lead. Arsenal know all about it. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh... – I think Southampton have to be have to be noted here. I mean, they're they're one of the teams that you look at and say, you know, they're 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 favored for a relegation battle this season. And yeah, this was a big. They point fought for them, their way back and showed a little bit of fight. And said, hey, you're going to put some respect on our name. You know, we've been in the Premier League this long. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, they still got they still got really good players too. I mean, Mohamed, uh, I can never say his last Absolutely. name. Salusu, yeah. The center back, yeah. he, I think he's really good and promising. Yeah, Gineppo, too, getting forward. Yeah. Uh, even Walker Peters and then Ward Prowse, the, the free kick specialist, are, are both two, uh, two special players as well. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll keep up with uh, Southampton going forward. But we'll move on now. Um, Brighton nil, Newcastle nil, the uh, battle of who's going to wear which kit. Newcastle came out in their warm-up tops. Uh, because obviously the Premier League deemed that everyone in Newcastle's kit cl- kits clashed. I will make a key point in in the statistics from that game. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion had 13 total shots and seven on target to Newcastle's four total shots and one on target. Um, and, and you know, if it wasn't for a Trippier goal line clearance stop from Nick Pope that he spilled just a little bit and, and Trippier's right there to, to clear it off the line. Two thirds of the ball completely crossed the line and Trippier put his foot on it. That 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 was a that was definitely a, a special a special clearance there. Um and then could you could you could you say Brighton is one of your um teams to sneak into the top six this year well, potentially? Um at the beginning of the season, no, nah, absolutely not. I wouldn't have thought that but the way this team plays as a collective unit, I mean, last week in the 2-1 win versus a struggling Manchester United, and then and this week, uh, it, you really just stop and you think, okay, Alcedo, wow, took over for Basuma like he wasn't even the player that he was, you know? And then it, it, it almost looked like uh, Grissard in that left wing back position where, where Cucurera was. And, and we know Trissard, the player he is, he, he is a creator with that... Uh, with that right foot of his, I mean, he he definitely he definitely had a, a few really good chances to make a moment, and then obviously subbed on for him, Tarek Lempty, who beyond me how he doesn't start for this team because he looks like he's full of class and pace. But but again, at the beginning of the season, no, absolutely not, BJ. I'd say there's no chance to get top six now. I, I really think the the top six is wide open at the moment. Uh, what, what say you, Justin? I could easily see Brighton finishing uh, top eight. Uh, it'd be a battle for top six. Just like you said, it's wide open. But as long as Alana, Gross, Trossard stay healthy, I mean, they got players coming off the bench. One and uh, Tariq Lamptey, like you mentioned. And Absolutely. Mitoma, kid from Japan, he looked great coming in in the last 20 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever he played. Um, he created – he had Newcastle defenders on skates all afternoon. Um, I think he created three or four good chances. Yeah, and, and like um, the statistics show, I think Brighton dominated the final third in this game. Obviously, Newcastle had their chances, but uh, but Brighton yeah. were. Newcastle needs more going forward. I mean, um, 
Almiron yeah. with only one goal last season. He scored four in preseason, but that's not whenever it matters, you know. And Alan St. Maxwell was their uh, leading scorer last year, and he missed, what, half the season? Mm-hmm. So they just need more guys up top who can create and finish. We couldn't agree more with that statement. It was a pretty good nil-nil battle. Cool. Would you like to start us off with the next right, game, Pat? Fulham. Yeah, Wolves and Fulham drew 0-0. Uh, Fulham missed a late penalty to potentially win the game, and they started out with a uh, – or they ended with a goalless draw. Statistics were – possession, obviously, Wolves' favor, but in terms of shots, I mean, Fulham were kind of all over their, their attacking third. Um, you know, you could say Wolves obviously struggling without their, their number nine and having to play uh, He-Chan, but – um, well, it's not shocking that uh, Saw kept a clean sheet at the back. But, um, yeah, like you said, they just need more attacking, more finishers with Jimenez out, whether it's Gonzalo Guedes or uh, Potence. I mean, I don't know about y'all. I figured he would have come into the Premier League and fit right in. Oh, yeah. Um, they need goals from somewhere up top. They had – one or two open goal chances from uh, Neto and Potence. If either one of them puts it on target, they're up 1-0. And that was early. I think that was within the first 10, 15 yeah, minutes. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and that's to be expected from a Fulham team that are just back at the Premier League and started slow but, but really started to put the pressure on in the second half. Um, needed to be said – Wolves have uh, confirmed the transfer of Matthias Nunes, uh, a Sporting Lisbon player who Great has been linked to the Premier League the past two seasons and, and is really going to bolster that midfield. Um, with that being said, Morgan gives White out the door to Nottingham Forest for a reported fee of £44 million. Brilliant business by uh, Wolves here. I mean, how much did they buy uh, Nunez for? What? 50? Yeah, yeah, I think it was it was fifty after add-ons, absolutely. Yeah, and then and then they sold Morgan Gibbs White, who has barely even played for them, and is not Premier League proven, in my opinion. Yes, he did good championship last year, and but that's championship. That's D two. Yeah, absolutely. You're trading a uh, you're trading a twenty two year old Morgan Gibbs White out the door to to, to Forest, uh, and then. For six million, do you take the money you get from Gibbs White, put six million on it, and bringing in a year older but uh, a Europe-proven player in Matthias Nunes, who who looks a player. Obviously, we'll have to wait till he gets in the Premier League and Bruno Lodge deploys him in that midfield. But he he truly has a good chance. Justin, what what do you say? I mean, I agree. It really bolsters that midfield uh, between him, Neves, and Matinho. That might be one of the best midfields in the prim, you know? Yeah. It'll take some time, obviously, for them to click, but they look like a, another one of those top six contenders. They just cannot allow these these zero-zero draws, especially to newly promoted teams that they should be beating. And I mean, if we're just talking about it, expected goals, Fulham had 1.2, only compared to Wolves, 0.7. Fulham technically should have won the game, but that's just going off expected goals. Anyways, let's move along to the next game, which I feel like we're all going to enjoy talking about. Jack, you want to Yeah, I have no this? problem talking about this one. Wow. Brentford 4, Manchester United 0. You go into the locker room, and instead <laughs> of getting a team talk from the manager, you got to wait two or three minutes for him to apply extra sunscreen to his bald head. How, how does this affect you as a player? <laughs> This is rough. This is rough for me. Well, United. yeah, we'll, we'll start with the goals. Obviously, David De Gea with two blatant errors to go down to no. But talk about it. So a throw in. Uh, uh, Cristiano tries to put it down. It's a little nibble on the leg. Decides to flop and and, and roll around on the floor in, in prime Cristiano Ronaldo style. Uh, Brentford quickly take the ball and counter just as they always do. And. Granted, Fred, the only defensive midfielder on that team, has vacated the entire central midfield. A pass across the box, and then, you know, a strike that obviously would have been a comfortable save for most keepers from Josh De Silva in the 10th minute, uh, slips up underneath Davidea and goes in the goal 1-0. And at that moment, 
at that moment, you look around the faces of the Manchester United players, and there's one, there's only one that looks, hey, we got to fix this, and, 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 and hey, we got to get up, and we got to get ready, and we got to fight again, and, and that was Christian Eriksen. What are, what are y'all's thoughts on the first goal and the reaction after the first goal? I mean, it's honestly quite laughable with how De Gea let it in. I mean, the players seemed about as stunned as everybody else was. I mean, I know great point. We were loving it, <laughs> um, but goodness, yeah, absolutely, you don't expect that. Out I feel of like every everyone was like on that pitch. So for Man United, was absolutely. Sh- Shell shocked right there. They didn't know what to do after that first goal, and then that just led eight minutes later to that second goal, and in between that, a yellow card for Harry Maguire as well. So it really just fell apart in those eight minutes and fell apart yeah, even more absolutely. after that. Um, anybody want to give a rundown of the second goal? I mean, De Gea. Uh, it was played to him off of what a goal kick. Yeah, and then he passed it to Erickson, who was being pressed and. Erickson, I mean, that pass, that pass should have yeah, never been yeah. played to Erickson. Yeah, the ball was on Erickson's back. Yeah, that if you're Erickson, what are you yeah. going to do with that? Yeah, I mean, De Gea, if he's got nothing else there, clear it upfield, do something different. Well, yeah, you know, here's my here's my question for Erickson Hogg, and who am I to question? You know, a great European manager, but your goal kick starts with the Sandra Martinez passing the ball three feet to the center of the goal to David De Gea. What do you accomplish there exactly? Other than letting the team have an opportunity. Exactly. And, and it's not like Lissandra Martinez is in a position to receive the ball right back from De Gea because he's three feet away from him standing there in the middle of the box with someone pressing him as well. I, I just I don't see what what the end goal is at. And, and, and maybe Eric Ten Hag has a plan for that, and we'll see in the next couple of games whether United can play out of the back from, from a three-yard pass to start the move. But... Again, and, and I see what they were trying to do. You know, De ha- David De Gea receives the ball from Lissandro Martinez. The idea is to get the ball to McGuire outside of the box on the right, wide open. The striker cuts off that pass. Good pressing from Brentford, who are known to be a very good pressing team. Thomas Frank has, has had this in his repertoire all along. So David De Gea decides, hmm, let me pass the ball to Erickson right on top of the D at the 18. And Erickson can knock that ball out to McGuire. It's the only pass available to Erickson at that point in time. Hansen cuts off that pass, blocks it, falls nicely to his feet. Erickson has no clue where the ball is, takes a touch, and puts it in the side netting. And De Gea has no chance. And after that goal, I thought it was interesting, uh, and I don't know if it was just for the cameras, but you saw Ronaldo trying to hype up the team. Like, come on, guys. Like, he had to do it. Like, he had no other choice. If he didn't do that, the cameras would have eaten him alive. And I'm sure they absolutely would have. And they did as well. Oh, yeah. Something would have been said about uh, how he's bringing down the locker room at that point if he doesn't try to show out and pump the team back up. Uh, well, it goes from bad to worse for United uh, in this game. And I and I think this this goal, you know, at this point, United have a have a wound, a pretty good wound. Two David De Gea errors, two easy goals let up. Um, and it, just to pour salt in that gaping wound uh, that Manchester United have at this point, you've got a corner played into the back post, headed back to the front post, a headed scrap between... You know, two players you don't want to be having a headed scrap between. It's Ben Mee from Brentford and Lissandro Martinez from Manchester United. And I know we make fun of this height, but, oh, help me, guys. Help me describe the travesty that happened there. I mean, the easiest way to put it is uh, Martinez just isn't big enough for that central back uh, uh, position in the Premier League. I mean, he might look better in the left-back role or even central defensive mid, which is what they're lacking. Um, But, yeah, he's just not big enough. You'd rather have uh, Varane in there helping defend that corner. I think uh, Diogo Delo looked pretty decent. I mean, I don't know about playing him at right-back. I think he looks better in a um, right-mid role. Um, I mean, he does good getting the ball into the box and getting forward, but getting back is kind of iffy sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely more of an attacker than a defender. Um, but it didn't help that five minutes later, um, after a Jaden Sancho uh, failed attack, 
the ball is cleared directly to Ivan Tony on the break. A ball takes a brilliant touch across Luke Shaw and finishes to make it 4 nothing on the 35th minute, 10 minutes before halftime. And, and after that, I mean, you, you just looked at the Manchester United players. They're absolutely defeated. No chance. Since, since you brought him up, I'm going to go ahead and mention my favorite stat about this man, Jaden Sancho. <laughs> okay. He's played, since he's been at Man United, this dude has played for three managers. How many goals do you think this guy scored for Man United? Two. Justin, Jack? Any, two? Two. I'm pretty sure it's four managers and three goals. It's, yeah. It might be where we count Michael Carrick. I mean, if he was, if he was coached under him, yeah, I would he was say, caretaker yeah. for a game, I think. So yeah, we got four managers and what? How many goals? Wow, three goals. Wow. Three goals. Yeah, not 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 what you want out of a yeah. hundred million dollar signing. I I can uh, agree more on that front. <laughs> Rough, but yeah, after I mean, after that goal right there, it was just all Man United knew they had no yeah, chance of getting back in it. They're all all their all their players just. Went to shit in the game, I would like to say. United are in a, it looks to be, it needs to be a rebuild. Um, And if you think about it, for the past two or three seasons, you've had two players dominate Manchester United's midfield. Obviously, Pogba has not been consistent enough to do that. So you've had McTominay and Fred, and you look at the both of them, and you say, they would do well at Norwich going up and down from the championships to the Premier League. They do not look like defensive mid- midfielders for a team that, that is actively trying to get in the top four or even the top six or the top eight. It, it just doesn't – it doesn't fit. What do you, what do you say on uh, Freddie McTominay? I just – I don't think the midfield's up to par at all. And then, like, with the transfer rumor that is uh, coming about, with them wanting to go after Casemiro, I don't think that's right for what they need to do at all. 30-year-old willing to pay $70 million, offering them, what, 400 k a week? Uh, a five-year yeah, contract. The, I don't. Not. not I don't know. Not the a week be. is 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 accurate. I I read Fab said it wasn't anywhere close to double what he's making now, and he's on two hundred and twenty right now. But with that being said, Manchester United at the moment needs stability. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I think Manchester United at the moment needs stability. They're currently in the market that players looking to move. Are there any center def- center defensive midfielders that can sure up that Manchester United midfield? Better than Casemiro can at the moment. I don't see one. What do you what do, what do you think? I mean, I don't see anybody else that's available either. And to add on, uh, Erickson did not look good in a more holding role. He needs to be getting forward, attacking, creating chances, doing what he's known to do. And if you're having him stay back and defend, you're not getting the best out of him. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. And, 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 and watching the game, it looked like when Manchester United were in possession, Erickson dropped deep and, and looked to pick up the ball in deeper roles. He needs to be making the second to last pass or the last pass and, and creating there, not creating so deep up the pitch because you end up bombing these balls high and wide to your wingers. And it just, it on, on the day, you know, Redford's known for their very good defending and, and, and quick counters. But on the day, and even, you know, against, against Brighton, who are also very... Very solid team. It just did not look good. It, it definitely did not look good. You look at, um, you know, McGuire and Lissandro Martinez partnership. With the season McGuire had last year, I would have been looking to bring in an, an astute defensive center back that could sure up Harry McGuire. And I don't know that Lissandro Martinez is that player. And then obviously the the issues they're having at right back with Aaron Juan Bissaka being you know exiled from the squad and uh, Diego Dallo pretty much the only other option at right back. I don't I don't see this getting any easier for Eric Ten Hag in Manchester United. How long do you think he lasts, guys? I definitely think they give him this season. Obviously, um, uh, let's give him this season transfer window. Next season, uh, uh, month a uh, month or two of next season. Let's see. Manchester United heading into the World Cup are in 12th place or below. You sack Ten Hag. No, you you can't. can't. No matter how bad it is. I agree you can't. And if he doesn't make it through this year, I think he steps away because of lack of support. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Just one more thing. Uh, I would love to add that 
the final score was 4-0, and Manchester United had 67% possession. Absolutely <laughs> dominate possession and still got their ass kicked. Love it. Yeah, I, yeah that's, that's something to how Brentford played to their um, their game plan, though. I, oh, yeah. I'm absolutely, absolutely not feeling sorry for Manchester United. I don't know if you guys are. I'm 100% not. No, no, absolutely not. Good, glad. Love, love, love to see the downfall of Manchester United. Even bright and early Sunday morning, we got ourselves a a treat of a game: uh, West Ham versus Nottingham Forest, a newly promoted team via the playoffs. And this this looked like a game that was nothing like a Premier League, an, an average Premier League match. I mean, it was. End to end, box to box stuff. Nothing real quality in the final third, but truly, stoppage time of the first half from Teo Awanyi um, with a goal. Justin, you want to speak on his 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 goal there? I mean, it was just a bouncer around the box and kind of got lucky. Just bounced off his knee or right below his knee and rolled into the back of the mm-hmm. West Ham goal. Wasn't pretty, but he was yes, there to was. make it happen. And Nico Williams was just launching balls into him from that from that right back, right midfield position that he's playing. And and he, they looked just a foot, a foot and a half off. And this is a new signing, Nico, or uh, excuse me, Teo Alanyi. He really, he really looks like he fits the Premier League and he fits the style that they're looking for the Premier League. Uh, and then you add, you know, Emmanuel Dennis from Watford, who they signed, and I mean, fifteen new signings for Nottingham Forest, fourth most money spent in the yeah, well, uh, Premier League. Uh, you know, it, you yep. just look at it. Yeah, the firepower they have up top with Brennan Johnson, who had an incredible year last year. Teo Owanyi, Emmanuel Dennis, Sam Surridge, Jesse Lingard, and. And Morgan Gibbs White. I mean, that that potential to be a pretty good season. Well, I was going to say with the players that they're signing too, they're setting themselves up not just for this year, but for the next and then the next. Um, granted that they can stay up the next couple Absolutely, years. Absolutely, yeah. Crown. And it, it seems to be a other than the Lingard signing, it seems to be a focus on young, uh, promising attacking players, which you can never go wrong with, right? Yep. Yeah, and I would like to go back to Nico Williams. I think he's going to be one to watch this year in that squad. Um, I mean, I would say that he's kind of Zinchenko-esque as far as all the touches that he gets and um, the crosses that he plays and his ability to get forward. Absolutely. He he definitely has that in his bag. The firework finale of the weekend, definitely. Um, Chelsea Tottenham. 2-2 2-2 at Stanford Bridge, and my word, did it not disappoint. You always get excited for a North London Derby because you think you're going to see a fight between players, but this time we got a fight between coaches. A, uh, <laughs> a, short, a short, older Italian in Antonio Conte, always known to be extra spicy, and a tall, lanky German. Before we enter the actual soccer game itself, if we're putting these two guys in a ring with MMA gloves, who's winning? Tuchel, reach. Yeah, Thomas Tuchel, and if he loses, he's going to make up every excuse <laughs> in the book. That's right. Lost. That's 100% right. I couldn't agree more with that. I just had to get that off my chest. Uh, BJ, you want to open, open us up with a goal summary of the first one? I mean, it was just a beautiful volley from... Cooley Bali. Cooley Bali. Yeah, yeah. Bali. I mean, straight go. off a corner kick. Cooley Bali. Um, and, and it's one of those that you have to catch absolutely perfect if you don't want it to endanger a fan's life. And he absolutely caught that one perfectly, didn't he? It's a beautiful strike. Y'all want to see how not to strike a volley like that? Just ask I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say Thomas Party, but anyways, moving <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, an equalizer came by way of Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. Um, and, and this is where the fireworks really started off. Obviously, uh, it was in the 68th minute. Um, you had a foul, or a potential foul by Bentecourt, 44 seconds later, and two touches by Chelsea players later. Uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg finds the ball on the uh, edge of the box and releases a strike that goes in the side. And there's two, 
Well, excuse me. There's three real talking points in this goal. We'll start with the Bentacore uh, slide tackle on Kai Havertz. Foul or no foul for you guys? Two reasons I'm going to say no foul. One, um, after watching the replay, it seems like he might have got the ball first. And two, um, they've come out and said that they're going to let the players play more. And uh, like we saw all weekend across all games, everything's been a bit more physical. So for those two reasons, I'm saying no foul. I mean, obviously at first I was completely agreeing that it was a foul. But we'll we'll have to tread on the side that it probably was not a foul. I like how the Premier League's letting everything play this year. I've always felt that's how we should do it. Let, Let the players play. Stop the bad stuff, obviously. We'll talk about something later that happened in the game that should have been stopped. But yes, Absolutely. This one and, and I think the Premier League's uh, reasoning behind, you know, their call, uh, if you if you did notice, it was 44 seconds after or before the goal. It was also two Chelsea touches, and it was Jorginho trying to pull off a bit of skill in his own box, only to lose the ball straight to P- Pierre Emil Hoiberg and, and a goal for Tottenham. Uh, I inexcusable bit of bit of business by uh, Jorginho there. And what what does he bring to this Chelsea side that that Thomas Tuchel sees he has to start in the midfield over Gallagher? I don't know. Gallagher would definitely be my starting option there. I mean, we saw how he played last year at uh, Crystal Palace. Absolutely, and 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 I think you know Jorginho's got a great pin, absolute great pin. And he, he's decent in possession in the middle of the field, but that's just an inexcusable mistake. And I, I'm not so sure that um, that Thomas Tuchel will, leave, will let him get away with that one. I'm sure there, there'll be a bit of a uh, bit of uh, unhappiness in the locker room on that one. Um, any more on that goal, guys? We'll move on to the Reese James goal. Right before the Reese James goal, Havertz should have scored. Some players may just not be meant to be in the prem and. I mean, you see that with Werner going and scoring in his mm-hmm. first 36 minutes um, for Leipzig. I mean, I think Havertz Absolutely. is one of those and as well. Havertz, his total of three seasons with Chelsea, he has 12 goals, six assists, 42 games, just in the Premier League. Uh, I'm not sure, sure he, he belongs either, but, but uh, Reese James caught, caught the ball sweetly getting forward, um, as he does so well. And put one away to, to put Chelsea up 2-1. to one. BJ, you got any comments on that goal? Great. Great goal by Reese. I mean, what is it? Since the start of like last year, he has the most uh, goals and assists for the you know, yeah, defender so. in the Premier I mean, League. He's, he's, he's truly a great So, I mean, dude, he knows where to uh, place the ball and where to be in yeah, the box at the right mm-hmm. time. So. Um, well, I guess we'll move on to the fireworks. You got a, a quick succession of uh, about three corners coming from Tottenham Hotspur um, in stoppage time and down 2-1 in the game. And one of those, the stoppage came for VAR to look at an incident between uh, Christian Romero and uh, Mark Kukurea. Do we? I'll let I'll let BJ. You can start on this one. You you tell me your thoughts, and then I'll hear Justin's thoughts, and I'll, and I'll add my thoughts after that. On um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, on the Cucurella when he got pulled out with his hair, just completely, completely uncalled for. I don't know how it was not called. In the game, VAR ref, he, he even came and, out and apologized for it. Yeah, and then it was checked by VAR. And, and um, you know, VAR had a decision to make. The only decision, <laughs> the only thing that they could do to change the game would have been a straight red for Christian Romero. Justin, what do you think? Well, I mean, as someone with long hair, I'd be pissed if somebody pulled me down by my hair and then uh, we end up tying a game that we should have won. I completely understand how the ref in the game misses it, but how does VAR not see that as a straight red? That's that's what I completely like don't understand here. Yeah, I mean it was flagrant by Romero. It should have been called. I mean, even with uh, the yeah. play more physical, that's yeah, uncalled for. I'll, obviously, I agree. It should have been a straight red card. It should have been a free kick to Chelsea. It should have ended two one. But here's the question, Anthony Taylor. The, the head ref and Mike Dean on VAR should, and this is a serious question, should two bald men be able to make decisions on someone getting their hair pulled? 
<laughs> can they effectively make a decision if they don't know how it feels? I mean, they should still be able to look at it non-partially. Um, I mean, and talking about it in real time, there wasn't anybody in the stadium with a better view. If you zoom the camera out a little bit to where um, the players are, you got Anthony Taylor right on them. I mean, he might be 10 yards behind them, but he oh, should have yeah, seen absolutely. that. And, and also, just to, what, if you're Christian Romero, what are you doing? You're actively trying to score a goal, man. Why are you trying to give up that opportunity by making a bonehead mistake like that? Yeah. I mean, it could completely change the game one way or the other. And we saw uh, the other with them equalizing uh, yeah, off that next Hurricane corner. Going out for a header. Um, nodding it off Reese James's thigh into the goal, which, Justin, you made a good point. I don't know that that was on target from the beginning of goal away from Harry Kane. I mean, come on, it's Harry Kane. He's the pride and joy of England. But electric scenes, and then, you know, cannot be overstated. Final whistle blows, and after every final whistle, the coaches go to shake hands, and uh, Thomas Tuchel wasn't done. He wasn't done shaking hands, was he? <laughs> <laughs> he said, I mean, I was taught if you shake hands yeah. with somebody, you look him in the eyes. He, he sure wanted yeah, he did. He, Conte he, to he, look he, him in the eyes. Conte dude. was having none of it in that. Oh, dude, his reaction when he looked down at the hands, <laughs> was like, why is he still holding on to my Absolute comedy. You know, uh, Anthony Taylor comes in and red cards Antonio Conte to his face. Charleston grabs Anthony Charleston, Taylor yeah. hand, drags him over to, to Thomas Tuchel and says, but, but Dad, what about him? Thomas <laughs> Tuchel rightfully receives a red card as well for his post-game antics, but like just abysmal refereeing should never have been should never have been a situation that was allowed to take place. I think um, you know the fireworks after the Pierre Emil, Emil Hoiberg goal because uh, obviously Thomas Tuchel has a case to make there. The Habert's foul, Rashalson standing offside during the shot, but. Conte doesn't need to go get involved in it. That's too cool versus the referees there. And Conte does go get involved in it. Um, and that starts the first fight. And then, obviously, the fireworks after the game. Abysmal refereeing, obviously, from Anthony Taylor. Nothing new there. Well, I mean, um, after Reese James' second goal, we may not have even gotten the fireworks that we got after the game. You could argue that Tuchel should have gotten a red for running in front of uh, – uh, the Spurs, absolutely, yeah, yeah. right in front of contact. I, I can yellow or or even a red card for leaving your technical area in front of the opposing team's coach, which you've already brushed up with. Um, but again, you know, it just goes back to say abysmal refereeing from Anthony yeah. Taylor, and it seems to be a, a pattern from him. Yeah, I agree. So, Jack, you said you didn't watch much of the Liverpool Crystal Palace game. So yeah, I can start us off with that one. Crystal Palace came out, executed their game plan brilliantly. Sit back, let Liverpool dominate possession, pass the ball around them, hold their hold their positions very, very well, knew exactly what they were doing. And then they had their one counter um attack opportunity and boy did Zaha put that away. Justin, did you see Zaha's goal? Took it early. Oh yeah. I mean, just like you said, Vieira uh came out with a game plan and I think he's one of the better coaches in the Premier League. That's not, I mean, even, that's not even how Crystal Palace plays. He completely changed the formation and everything to play this game. Yep. I mean, whenever you're playing arguably top three team in the league, that you got to change up a little bit. And he did so very well. I mean, I'd put him up there. I wouldn't say he's as good as Pep and Arteta, but definitely with a practical uh, manager. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they played to their game plan. They got the counter, and Zaha was very calm, cool, and collected for that goal, took it a little early, and put it away. Exactly what you wanted them to do. Yep. So we'll talk about the lead-up to the next big moment in this game, <laughs> which was the red card in the 57th minute with Nunez. So Anderson, the whole game, it was rattle- getting into Nunez's head, rattling on all game. You get There's all clips all over Twitter about it. Just 30-second clips of just him the whole game, pushing him in the back, just giving him a little elbow here and there, getting under Nunez's skin. And, boy, did it pay off when he came up behind Nunez because Nunez tried to headbutt him earlier, and Anderson came up pointing to him and hit him in the back. And Nunez turned around and headbutted him, and Anderson yeah, sold it Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's clearly violent conduct. Yep. Uh, 
This isn't a, you know, studs up challenge on somebody's leg. This is a clear forehead to another man's face. Almost Zidane, Zidane, Zidane style in the World Cup. Like this, yeah. obviously he's going to get a three-game suspension um, and, and no more because they're Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp would make a fuss of it if, the, if he gave a five. But I, I don't know how you don't get a five-game suspension for that, at minimum. Well, I would see a five if Anderson didn't sell it as well as he did and if Nunez made more contact. Like, if it was a straight headbutt to the chest like um, Zinedine Zidane did, then yeah, five, easy. But, I mean, he Dude, there was there was intentions behind it, though. If you go watch the uh, game, it was like not even ten seconds before it, he tried. He flicked his head Absolutely. back and tried to hit Anderson with that little that headbutt. That's what so, I'm I mean, saying. I could see five. Yeah, absolutely. Contact. I don't. Of course, after that third uh, game of being suspended, is of course Everton Football Club and the Merseyside Derby. So we'll, we'll, you know, that'll be great. We'll we'll cover that after that game. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it could cost them whenever they play Newcastle. I don't think it'll cost them whenever they play United or Burnmouth. But in Newcastle. Maybe they draw that one. And I think that Nunez also cost his side three points in this because not long after you get um, Diaz's equalizer and, you know, Liverpool, they come from behind all the time. Yeah, I mean. Oh, my God, dude, that was – that freaking shot by Diaz. It's just – Of course it goes in. Of course Liverpool – Gets a equalizing old man down. He was the, he was the life of Liverpool when they when they went down when they went down a man and were down to ten men ten men the whole game the rest of the game. He was the life of Liverpool. He's the one that kept them in the game even after the goal. He was the one pushing them Absolutely, to go yeah. get another goal. Yep. I mean, signed uh, last January. He's been a spark for him. He's got, he's all got over. massive shoes to fill no, with Sadio Mane's yeah. departure and. And uh, and and we'll see. I mean, Diego Jota's still out injured, so. He, um, but what we'll do is we will uh, we'll move on from this week, and uh, we'll get a quick, you know, just to talk about next week. We'll, we'll go through each game. I'll get both of your opinions. We'll start. DJ, you give you give um, yours first, and then Justin, and then uh, a special mention if you if you have anything else you want to say. But we'll start uh, next week. We have bright and early Saturday morning, seven thirty on USA Spurs. At home versus Wolves. What are, what are our thoughts there? Um, sorry, the Tottenham Wolves game. I mean, if if really if the manager comes into play, which I don't think it will, we got a pretty good game. Tottenham. I think I give three it points Tottenham. for Tottenham. What do you what do you say, Justin? Yeah, yeah, three points. I think uh, Tottenham pulls it out too. I mean, like we said in the Wolves game earlier, their uh, attacking play it definitely needs to improve and. Like we saw last year, they can't Wolves can't rely on um, Jose Sa's clean sheets just to help pull them through. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. On, uh, Ten a.m. Crystal Palace at home versus Aston Villa. I really like Crystal Palace this year. I think they're a dark horse for top eight, potentially European football. Just two very tough uh, games for them. Three points. For Crystal I, Palace. I got Crystal Palace mean, in that Justin? game. Three points. I kind of see it too. I'm pretty sure Coutinho went out hurt for Villa as well. So I'm gonna say Palace. Palace three points. points. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on a win here just to go against you guys because we can't all agree here. I'm gonna go with a draw on this one. I think it'll be a a one-one draw. I think Aston Villa has a little something to prove, and uh, they'll, they'll pull something out uh, and, and make a one-one draw there at Selhurst Park. Moving on. Uh, Everton back at home at Goodison Park versus Nottingham Forest. BJ? Speaking of draws, that's what I got in this one. I got a nice little 2-2 draw happening in this game. You think Everton scored two goals? (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Wow. Oh, man. I mean, if it's a draw, I see 1-1, but, I mean... You get to see the new signings from Forrest, potentially, and how Everton plays up against this newly promoted squad. It's either a one-one draw, or I'm gonna go with a one-nil win for Forrest. Yeah, I think I think you're on, I think you're on the money there. I think a 
a one-one draw or a, or a uh, one or two-nil win for Forest is is just right about the alley. I mean, again, it, it, we're it, you know just uh, probably a day and a half away from the start of that game, and Everson have yet to bring in any other attackers besides Dwight McNeil. And Dwight McNeil just looks lost without a striker. And Rondon is just not quality enough to play in the Premier League. I hate to break it to him. Um, but he's just not quality enough to, to play striker in the Premier League. And in the current moment, Everton are in big trouble without a striker. They need they need to make some moves fast. I'm going with the Nottingham Forest three points there. Uh, moving on, Craven Cottage, Fulham, Brentford. That'll be a good one. What do we have there, BJ? Got another draw uh, happening there. Justin, what do you have? I, I think Fulham, think Fulham's improved this year. I like uh, Brentford in that one. I think Fulham, I mean, while they did just sign, uh, did they finalize Willian and Clyburn? Uh, I'm not sure that they're finalized yet. I don't, I don't think they'll be playing this weekend. Well, if they're not playing this weekend, I'm going to go uh, with Brentford. I think that they got some pieces there to mm-hmm. stay up this year for sure. Moving on. Uh... King Power Stadium, Leicester versus Southampton. I think Leicester has a little bounce back game here. They win. Kind of depends on how leaky they are. I mean, like we said earlier, I mean, they're always bound to give up a goal. Um, but it's. I think this is a bigger one. I think it could be potentially a relegation battle. I don't see Leicester doing so hot this year. Interesting. Yeah, I've I've got a. You said you said Leicester are going to get the points there, or what did you say there? Uh, it could be interesting. I mean, honestly, it could go either way. But hopefully, I th- I mean, hopefully Leicester wins. But I'll go with a nil nil. You never know with them. I think both teams are pretty boring, and I think they'll have a boring match. Personally, don't don't really have much for it. But I think I think I think twelve thirty Saturday on NBC, you have uh, the Cherries. At the Vitality Stadium, hosting Arsenal. What do we What do we have there, BJ? Um, I will be at a brewing company here at my local town, Greenville, South Carolina, to watch Arsenal dominate Bournemouth. Three points for Arsenal. Yeah, I think I'll be out at Yeehaw as well with uh, BJ and. Probably watching the domination for Arsenal yeah, as well. I'm, I'm with you guys on that. One. I don't think anybody's going to vote against Arsenal here, especially with the start of the season they've had. They'll, they get they get the uh, job done on the road and and a, and a pretty convincing victory. 9 a.m. Sunday morning um, at Ellen Road, Leeds welcome Chelsea. What do we What do we have there? This will be an interesting one. <clears throat> I think this will be a very exciting game, but I too much Chelsea. I think overpowers them at the end. Couple of two late goals I see happening. Not sure if the score is going to be maybe like a three-one game kind of deal, tied one-one late until those two late goals by Chelsea. This this is a very interesting one. I uh, I'm 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 interested to hear your opinions on this. London Stadium, nine a.m. Sunday morning, our time. I guess not their time, but uh, West Ham welcome Brighton Hove Albion. What do we have there, guys? West Ham Brighton. I like that game again. That's going to be another intriguing game that happens. Uh, Brighton's been playing really good football to start it off. West Ham, not so, not so much. So, I want to, I really want to say Brighton wins, but I'm gonna have to go draw here, fellas. One point each. Yeah, I think it could be a good one as well. I mean, both are contenders for European football next year. And eleven thirty Sunday, um, the Newcastle Tunes host Man City at St James's Park. What do we? Uh, what are we thinking there? Um, I got not sure the score, but be another pretty good game. Man City's obviously going to win three points for them. I do think it'll be a good game though. Newcastle City. Um, both are yet to concede a goal this year, but I think uh, Newcastle lets in a couple. City wins two nothing. That was good. Yeah, I I think you'd be silly to vote against City here. This this could be a good test for them, but yeah, I think I think Manchester City get it done on the road. Hopefully they don't aware there's abysmal third kit, but you never know with them. I, I, I don't know. Moving on, final game of the weekend, um, Monday at three p.m. Old Trafford 
can become an absolute bear pit. Manchester United, Liverpool. And let me, before we get into this one, let me just state the last two times these teams have met in the Premier League, uh, the scoreline has read aggregate 9-0. And obviously Manchester United have had nowhere near the start of the season that they've wanted. Liverpool 12th and Manchester United 20th, fellas, last place. (laughs) I got... Uh, draw here happening. I got a nice little 2-2 back and forth game. Yeah, I don't think United scores too. I'm going to say I'm going to say Liverpool, even without uh, much attacking, I mean I guess you're going to have to start Cavallo since Nunez, Nunez is out. Um, I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool still. Yeah, uh, I, I don't see this being um, a very good game for Manchester United. I would love for Manchester United to scrape a draw out of this, or even a one 0 victory to get back on track. But I just, I can't, I can't see it happen. All the time we have today, I, I really appreciate you guys joining us for it. Any, any viewers, any listeners we have, I greatly appreciate you listening along. Especially if you made it this far. Interesting one. We'll be back for 